You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1082 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday. And thank you for making the Locked on Hawks podcast your first listen every day. And remember that the Locked on Hawks podcast is also available on all platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, and Spotify. Today's podcast will be sort of a precursor to Media Day. As I record this, Media Day is only you know, 12, 15 something hours away at this point. It's going to be on Monday, midday, 10.30 a.m. start. So lots of uh, stuff to come from that, basically. Uh, if you're not familiar with Media Day, um, Travis Schlenk spoke to the media on Friday. But everybody else in the Hawks organization, from Nate McMillan to all of the players, will be speaking on Monday. At least they're scheduled to speak on Monday, midday in Atlanta. So basically, there may not be a whole lot of news there. But before we get into it, um, there could be some stuff revealed about injury stuff or what happened in the offseason. And media day could sometimes be a circus, but at the same time, you also get some interesting nuggets along the way. And before we get to that, I did drop some audio, um, sort of unedited, unvarnished, on Friday from Travis Schlank on the podcast feed. So you may have seen that and listened to it. If you did not, have no fear. I'm going to give you a little bit of a recap at the beginning of this podcast. And then in the second half of the show, I will talk to you about the top 100 lists, which are making the rounds uh, last week. I saw I kind of didn't want to do this, to be honest with you, but I got so many questions about the top 100s that I'm going to have to wait into at least for a half podcast. And just think about it this way. Tower Jones, for listening to the podcast, Tower's a friend of the show, and he basically hates all rankings. If you don't want to listen to that podcast, that part of the podcast, you can log off. I won't be offended. But I got enough, enough questions about where these Hawks guys ranked and where they should be there, and et cetera, et cetera. I feel like I can spend a half a podcast on that later on. So uh, this will only be up for you know about 12 hours before media day actually arrives. So... Still, uh, sort of a newsy podcast, sort of a catch-up podcast, and all that stuff. And then we'll get into Media Day, and training camp officially opens on Tuesday. All right, so if you listen to the audio, again, my apologies from Friday, but that's definitely on the feed just now. If you want to hear all of this out of Travis Schlenk's mouth, I recommend listening to that for some context. But I'll go through with a little bit of my own inflection of opinion and analysis here um, from top to bottom. So I'll save the injury stuff for a second. But Travis was asked about the vaccination rate for the Hawks, and he said it'll be 100% by next week. He said one player has a second shot remaining to happen in the next week or so, and the staff is already vaccinated 100%. I will say this, uh, vaccination's been a very large topic in the NBA world over the weekend, but it seems like in Atlanta it won't be a huge topic. That's definitely a win for the Hawks in my opinion. I am pro-vaccination. Un- unabashedly, I'm vaccinated myself. I know that's not like 100% approval rating, but I will say that um, off, off the top of the podcast. And it's also good for the Hawks in terms of basketball stuff because it's um, less exposure stuff to being missing time in the regular season, um, less illness, all that stuff. The protocol is a little bit lessened for guys who have been vaccinated. So all that to say, the Hawks seemingly are on track to be 100% vaccinated this year, which could help them in terms of keeping these, this season from being up and down and up and down. Um, elsewhere, Timothy Lewabacabarro has a visa issue, according to what Travis was saying on Friday. That's going to delay his arrival to Atlanta. He is, of course, um, from France, and he was still in France as of Friday. So I've not heard if he's been in town yet or not, but that's actually pretty big because he's trying to make the team on a non-guaranteed contract. So keep that in mind. He's not in Atlanta as of, at least as, as of Friday. Uh, Jalil Okafor has been around the facility for about 10 days now, so sort of a head start for the veteran big man from Duke. 
And Schlenk actually did say on the uh, on the podcast, uh, sorry, on the podcast, um, on, on the Zoom call, that he actually thinks that a couple of guys will be waived during camp to make room for more. Um, for some background on this that he didn't necessarily explain, the Hawks can only carry 20 guys at any point during training camp. And because they have the 14 guaranteed contracts, plus two two-ways, plus Okafor and TLC, who were actually battling for a job, that's 18. And one of the ways that you can get guys to go to College Park through your G League program is to sign them to Exhibit 10 contracts, which guarantee them some small amount of money. And then basically you're doing that, keeping them in camp for a while, and then waiving them so you have their actual rights for the G League. So basically, Johnny Hamilton is one of those guys right now, as is A.J. Lawson, where the Hawks, I mean, trying to basically acknowledge those guys have no chance to make the team. They're just trying to have them be in, in, in the G League. All parties seem to be on the same page with that. But at some point, he indicated that they, were, that they are likely to waive. Um, he didn't say who it was going to be, but really the only options would be Hamilton and Lawson in order to open up some more spots for some more guys during training camp, presumably on, on similar setups. So if you're looking to uh, know why guys like Hamilton and Lawson are on their roster right now, it's because they want to get those guys to the G League, and that could be some turnover in the coming days. All right, to the injury front, and this is probably the most important thing that was discussed. Uh, in fact, it definitely is the most important thing that was discussed on Friday with Travis Schlenk. I'll start with DeAndre Hunter. He was the lead question that was asked, and with, with good reason. He's been out, of course, since June. He had a surgery to fix his meniscus in his knee. And uh, Travis said he will not be a full participant at the start of training camp, but he has been playing one-on-one. Again, not a huge surprise. I talked about this a lot last week with Zach Hood on the podcast during our Player Capsule series, which, by the way, is still available for your listening pleasure. But I had sort of wondered out loud if Hunter might be limited in training camp, might be limited in regular season even at the beginning of the season. Um, Travis did say that he's expected to be ready for the regular season opener. And the positive thing is this is actually a full-length training camp, unlike last year. The Hawks don't play for almost a month right now, an actual game that matters. So there is some time to ramp him up. With that said, he seems to be uh, you know on schedule-ish, but nothing that is definitive. If he's not playing 5-on-5 five five just yet, it might be a little bit of a long tail. It might be some limitations early on in the year for DeAndre Hunter, but we'll learn more as camp opens on Tuesday. Now, the guys who were a little bit more surprising on this list that I'll discuss are the next three. So... One is Kevin Herter, and Travis Schlenk in his availability kind of just slipped it out there that Herter had a procedure on his ankle during the offseason to, quote, clean it out, end quote. And he said he's kind of on the same track as DeAndre Hunter in terms of being ready for the regular season, participating in camp, but not in full. Now, uh, that was not known publicly. Um, it's not crazy to have a guy in the offseason to have some work done to clean up something. The Hawks did play deeper into the season than they normally would, at least than they have in recent years. So a lot of times this kind of thing can happen. It all happens during the offseason, and no one ever really knows, at least publicly, that a guy had a small procedure done. But with the Hawks playing so long in a short offseason, that kind of leads into some uncertainty here. So Herter being limited at camp is something that was off my radar, I'll be honest. So that's now the case. We don't really know until they're um, on, on track to play and until we know more. But with all of these guys, Schlenk, at least publicly on the record, said that their expectation is that they will be ready for the season when it actually opens. Now, I'm, I'm sort of obligated to say this. Travis Schlenk last year in particular said a lot of injury updates on the radio, that kind of stuff that were not always spot on in terms of what actually happened. So it's all about PR in some, in some ways. Um, and right now, you got to take it for what it's worth. I tweeted that. It's the only thing that we could do right now, unless I, unless I hear otherwise, is kind of just believe what Travis is saying, go off of that, but with some skepticism all, always. I am also in favor, by the way, 
especially with guys who are going to be key pieces of your team this year, of taking it easy on them early in the year. This is a full 82-game season. So if a young guy like Herter or Hunter is banged up a little bit, go easy on them, bring them along slowly. It's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint for this Hawks team, given where they are at this point in time. Um, also on the Herter front, he was asked about the extension, and nothing really was said that was out of the ordinary. He did say that they're hopeful, even if it doesn't get done right now, that they could bring him back um, next offseason. But uh, sort of some regular GM speak along the way with that. Nothing done at this point in time as I'm recording this on Sunday, September 26th. Um, from there, uh, Bogdanovich was brought up. And he actually, of course, told Chris Kershaw of The Athletic last week um, that he was healthy just a few days ago at this point in time. And he did say that he had a PRP injection in his knee. Schlenk acknowledged that and said he's been playing one-on-one as well. They'll ramp him up slowly, he said. But he's also expected to be good to go for the season. So uh, Bogdanovich... Um, spoke about his own health recently in public, so we'll see on that. He was more optimistic, I think, than what Shrek was saying. And with all this stuff, it's why I'm recording this now, honestly, is because Media Day could change what's said publicly from all of these guys when they're interviewed on Monday. So just know that I'm recording this on Sunday before they've done all, all their media obligations. But Bogey did speak to the media, at least in terms of Chris Kirchner, a few days ago and was more upbeat about his health than it seems to be at this point in time. And then finally, Clint Capella, which is, I think, the, probably the most concerning of the bunch um, Capella had a PRP injection in his, in his Achilles, according to what Travis said to the media on Friday. And he said it was the same procedure that Cam Reddish had last season that sort of derailed his season. So he said he'd bring Capella along slowly, the Hawks would be, but he's expected to be ready to play for the season. Now, some of the panic that I was seeing and reading was because Cam's procedure last year silenced him for a very long time. Now, I will say Cam was out longer than expected after having that procedure done to his Achilles. And also, um, it was during the season. Uh, we don't know when, at this moment in time, Capella had that procedure. If it was right after the season was over, that's a few months ago at this point in time. Now, if you waited a little bit longer, that's more concerning perhaps than anything else. But it's also concerning not only because of the health stuff, but because Capella is a guy who's had some Achilles issues in the past, but he's also incredibly important. I said this on the, on the show last week. I said it with Nate Duncan as well. I visited with Nate on Duncan Prime over the weekend. Um, the Hawks have two anchors on this team on both ends of the floor. Offensively, it's Trey Young. Everybody knows that. He is their offensive centerpiece. Defensively, it's Clay Capella. And if Capella misses time, particularly with Akongwu unavailable, that's a huge blow for the Hawks if he's limited early or misses any time early. So it's concerning. I will tell you that it's not. Um, the fact that he was expected to be on, on track for the regular season is probably a little bit more concerning. And remember last year, Capella had kind of a slow, uneven start. He hadn't played basketball in almost a year. And he didn't play great early in the year. And then once he found it, he found it and was good from that point forward. So we'll see. But that's the latest on Capella. And then the last guy to hit on quickly from what Travis was saying on Friday is a Kongwu. Um, nothing surprising here, but Schlenk talked about a December or January timeline for a Kongwu. When they announced it, it was six months. And that was uh, basically back in July. So January has always been the circle, the circle date. Um, he did say that a Kongwu's personal goal is the end of December, whereas the team is talking about January. So that's sort of a small gap, but still a meaningful one. I'm on record as saying that they'll be careful with him too, I would expect. It wouldn't stun me if it was a little bit longer than January just because if he's a, it's a high-profile guy, a young guy, it's a weird injury. But he's been working out for a while. He's been, he's been in the facility for a few weeks now. Basically, Travis said he's been in the facility for the last two months doing rehab and stuff like that. So if he's ahead of schedule, that'd be good news. Um, but it's a labor room. You want to be careful with it for sure. But a Kongwu, of all the updates, that was probably the one that was the most positive because, if anything, it was ahead of schedule rather than on schedule or behind schedule or a new injury 
etc. So that's a lot to get into at the top of the podcast. And again, I, I recommend listening to Travis say it with his own words, but we'll probably learn some more stuff from these guys' mouths, whether it be Herder or Hunter or Kongwu or Capella on Monday. So I'll update you with that and I'll probably have some audio, some extensive audio. I don't know how much I'll use on the podcast, but I'll explain to you what has been said on Monday and pass all that along with some context on our next podcast. All right, before we get to the rest of the show and some top 100 talk, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is Sleeper. In 2018, the fantasy sports experts at Sleeper realized that fantasy basketball was broken. Games were being won and lost based on whose players had more scheduled games that week, and it made no sense at all and required very little strategy. So in 2020, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball, and it's called Game Pick. It's only available on Sleeper. In Game Pick, owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count toward the team's total score, ensuring that an even number of games are played between opponents. The days of losing because your opponent's players had more scheduled games that week are over, and so is the fact that you have mindless daily busy work in the previous environment, and if you're giving up halfway through the season because of that busy work, those days are also over. In Game Picks, you pick one game per week for each player based on all kinds of factors from player matchups to home versus away, opponent's defensive rankings, pace of play, and much more. And all of that adds up to more strategy and less busy work. Whether you prefer Redraft, Keeper, or Dynasty Leagues, Game Picks has you covered. Sleeper has cracked the fantasy basketball code. If you play fantasy football, if you prefer building out a weekly strategy versus daily busy work, you're going to love Game Picks. If you can download the Sleeper app right now and start a league with your friends today, you will not be disappointed. Sleeper's one-of-a-kind game pick is the most strategic fantasy basketball experience in the industry. Check it out and download the Sleeper app today. Today's show is also sponsored by DirecTV. Tell me if this sounds familiar to you. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite TV shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all of the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like they've never been before, so you can watch your favorite shows, movies, and sports all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again, and the best part, there's no annual contract. So, you can get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, it is top 100 time on the podcast. I'll keep it brief, I promise. Um, only two of these are public knowledge right now between uh, all the ones that usually make the rounds. We could have some more coming in the coming days from CBS or whatever. But for now, and maybe forever, we'll spend some time on the SI list. Sports Illustrated has a compilation of top 100s, and then ESPN's is the most prominent, which we'll close the podcast with today. So SI um, had the Hawks with five guys in their top 100. And all five were in the top 64, which is fairly impressive, actually. But they did leave a couple guys off. So Kevin Herter made the snub list for for SI, meaning that he was uh, just close to making the cut. No issue with that, honestly, for me. There are a few guys that I think he's better than that are in the 90s on this list, but nothing nothing outrageous. Uh, Gallinari was not on the list either. I think I would have him sort of in a similar range as Herter overall. So those are not crazy, crazy. I think I'd have Gallo ahead of Herter right now today on a list like this because he's more established and a little bit safer. But Herter's upside, obviously, pretty darn high this year. And that's okay. Um, from there, you have Bogey at 64. Um, that's okay, I think. It's pretty decent in terms of the context around him. I think he should be a little bit higher. Um, and also, I think he should be higher than DeAndre Hunter on this list for this season. And Hunter is 56 for SI. 
which I was surprised by. I'll be honest. I'll touch on this a little bit more, more with the ESPN list later on. But the split with Hunter is very fascinating because he is 56 here and unlisted for ESPN. We'll come back to that in a second. But I think he can play at this level during the season. I think it would not be surprising at all if he returned value in a similar way to this. And it's basically like you were taking his last year's breakout um, and just sort of putting it over a full season to have him in the top 60, which is totally reasonable. It could happen. I wouldn't personally have him quite as high as a top 55, top 60 guy right now on a list like this for this season alone, but it's not crazy in my opinion. Um, Collins is 54 for Sports Illustrated. That is too low for me. I will be that. I'll be on record about that right now. I think he's a firmly top 50 player, maybe a little bit higher than that, top 45, top 40 maybe for me, something like that. He's behind some guys that I think are pretty clearly worse than him, like Tobias Harris. Uh, DeMar DeRozan is one where I kind of get it. He's been around He's been around for a long time, but the current version of DeMar DeRozan is worse than John Collins, in my view, for instance. So that's uh, too low. It's not like completely ridiculous. Last year, he was much lower on somebody's list, and I was even more frustrated, but I think he's a little bit low at 54. Uh, Capella is 48. So top 50 is marked for Capella, number two on the Hawks roster. That sounds okay to me. I think I could probably find a couple of guys ahead of him that I think I'd rather have Capella than after last season, but that's a reasonable mark in my mind. And then Trey Young is number 17 on the SI list. The biggest issue for me ahead of him is that Bradley Beal, I think Trey Young is better than Bradley Beal. I've been on record about that for quite some time, so there's nothing really new there. I think he's a better driver of offense. And then defensively, uh, the gap actually isn't very big. Uh, Beal is better, but not by a lot. Um, so I would lean to Trey on that one. But like guys like Jimmy Butler are ahead of him too, and I think I might lean Trey, but nothing crazy there. The only guy that I think I'd, I'd be definitive on is Beal. So Trey being 17 is not disrespectful. I think that's a perfectly reasonable ranking for Trey Young. You could have him higher than that too. I think I probably would have him a couple slots higher personally. But uh, 17 is nothing crazy. If, if, he, if he had been in like the 25-30 range, I would have been yelling on the podcast, but that did not happen this year, thankfully. So uh, no rant on the way for that. So overall, five of the top 50, sorry, top, five of top 64 is pretty impressive for the Hawks, although I think that I would have probably included either Herter or Gallinari somewhere in my top 100 if I was them. But given that Herter's in their snub list and Gallus probably not far behind, you figure like that's like seven of the top 110, 120 players in the league. That is pretty darn impressive when you factor in the depth that they have beyond that because you also have Cam Reddish and you have a Kong Wu and et cetera, et cetera. So uh, even depth of point guard, et cetera. So they have some real talent, and that's a pretty good indication of that on this list. Um, before we get to the ESPN list, which is, of course, the headliner that makes the most noise because of ESPN, the fact that there are some outliers on this year's list, before we get to all of that stuff, a word from our sponsors, and the first of which is Built Bar. With Built Bar, there are so many delicious flavors that there's always something for everyone, and honestly, it's difficult to pick just one. If you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're always passionate about their favorites, but for me, I have more than one, quite frankly. If you don't know all the Built Bar flavors at this point in time, you're absolutely missing out. They have coconut, they have cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, German chocolate, and my personal favorite has to be cookies and cream. It's been that way for a long time, but even with my affection for cookies and cream, there are other options that are honestly just about as good, and really they're fantastic for everyone that enjoys Built Bar. In addition to being extremely tasty, and Built Bar is extremely tasty, they're also very, very healthy. They have 17 to 18 grams of protein. The calorie range is 130 to 180. They only have four or five grams of sugar, and they only have four or five grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors all the way across the board. They're all tasty, 
and they're all healthy. If you order today, they get the grass popper cookie or the raspberry or whatever you like. And if you go to built.com and use the promo code locked on, 15% off your order with Built Bar. Use the promo code locked on, 15% off at built.com. All right, so we'll go to ESPN's top 100 list now. And as I mentioned before the break, ESPN's list gets a lot more coverage than the rest because it's ESPN, the media machine. It's also the one that is most discussed just because it's prominently displayed and uh, uh, tweeted about and all of that fun stuff. So uh, some reactions that are strong. I'll start here. DeAndre Hunter was not on the list for ESPN in the top 100. Now, I got a lot of questions about this specifically. Quite honestly, I got probably five or six questions about this in some form. And I'll try to explain, I think, why there's such a breakdown and such a, such a split between where SI had him at 56 overall and ESPN and outside the top 100. And honestly, that might seem crazy, but Hunter is kind of the player where that actually might make some sense, at least on some level, if you can sort of open your eyes and see sort of both sides here. So this is a former top five pick. He was just okay as a rookie that had this breakout last year, but only for about 20 games before getting injured. And then he was kind of, you know, hampered after that. So basically you have that versus, you know, he was awesome last year when he played. So essentially it comes down to like, which one of those are you going off of? Are you going off of the guy who's been, you know, for most of the games that he's played, which is mostly his rookie season, he's not been great, but for a small sample and the most recent sample of last year, he was much, much better than that. Plus he's a top five pedigree kind of guy in the draft. So if you're skeptical that last year was fully real, and or if you're wary of the injury stuff, he's not really full go just yet anyway, you might leave him off the top 100. That's not crazy to me, honestly. I think if you were to say just baseline, if you don't believe last year all the way through, I, I totally get it, at least in a small sample size. I've always been higher on Hunter, but I could see why you wouldn't be if you don't watch him all the time. Now, if you want to talk about the last, uh, last season sample at the beginning of the year and project that forward, having him in the top 60 it does make sense. He was playing at a top 60 level when he got hurt last year. That's how good he was. So this is one where I get it. If he did that last season, if he had, if he had the top, the season that he had last year, if he played that way for two-thirds of the season versus you know less than a third at the beginning of the season, if he did that for 50 games, I would say it's crazy not to have him in the top 100. I would say that. Um, but because it was 20 games, it's not as crazy. So I am closer to the top 60 guy, for sure, on Hunter. I've always been really high on him. At the same time, I, I kind of get it. So the split is weird, to be sure. It definitely looks strange to side-by-side side during the same week a list of top 100 players and have one list have a guy in the top 60 and the other list not have the guy on the list at all. That is very bizarre, but I kind of get it in this one. Anyway, the guys who are on the list are basically everybody else that the Hawks have in contention made ESPN's top 100. Uh, the SI list, only five of the top seven for the Hawks made it on ESPN. It was six of the top seven. Uh, Gallinari is number 99 on ESPN. He was 85th last year. I think 99 is f- totally fine. I think he's probably better than that on a permanent basis, but he does play fewer minutes than a lot of these guys do in his role right now. He's obviously a poor defender. Um, he is better, though, in my opinion, than some guys ahead of him, like Mitchell Robinson's ahead of him, like Jalen Green right now as a rookie. I think it's probably safe to say Gallinari is better than Jalen Green right now today. And this is a list about now, not the future. So without going to go into that, that rabbit hole, I thought 99 is totally okay for Gallinari. I probably have him like 90, but there you go. Herter's 95. Um, similar to the SI ex- uh, section about him we talked about a few minutes ago, the range that I think he's in is like a, from like 90 to 120, something like that. So I think having him here is totally fine. Having him 105, 
also totally fine at this point in time. It's a big year for him to be sure, both extension stuff, money stuff, role stuff. You know, was the breakout in the playoffs real? All that stuff. I've always liked Kevin, but it's a big year for him to be sure. Um, from there, you have a, a big jump to the top 64. And Bogdanovich, 64 again. So the exact same ranking for Bogey on both lists. Last year, 62 for ESPN. So he seems to always be in the mid-60s on these lists. Um, if anything, it's a little bit low for me, although it's totally fine, I think, in a vacuum. There's some guys ahead of him like Joe Ingles and Jared Allen who I think are worse than Bogdanovich, plus one high-profile mess that I'll get into a moment from now um, that's ahead of him. But I think this is okay. I'll say the most outrageous one for a second from now, but 64 is like not offensive to me. Capella is 55 on this list. Last year, he was unranked by ESPN, and I went crazy about that on this podcast, and I was correct. <laughs> uh, I guess it was the injury stuff last year you could sort of lean on, but um, this is too low, but it's not ridiculous at 55 overall. I think it's not like scream and yell about it too low. There are probably 10 guys or more that I'd rather have uh, Capella then on this list that are ahead of him, but 55 is like, you know, kind of a lowish ranking for Capella, but not as bad as it was last year to be off the list. Now, John Collins is 54, so he's one spot ahead of Capella. Lots to get to here. So last year, Collins was 84 by ESPN, and I went crazy. I listened to the audio, actually, I went, I went back and found it. I was I was pretty mad. Uh, and I think it's justified. I think that was a crazy ranking. I said as much. Um, that was ludicrous. We'll leave it there. 54 is more reasonable. It's still too low, in my opinion. I'll be honest about that. But... This is where I have to get into the absolute absurd ranking, and I usually don't try to go too crazy about these rankings, especially non-Hawks division, but ESPN has Buddy Heald at 51 on their list. Now, I won't go through the entire scrum report because Buddy Heald's not on the Hawks, but uh, he's a great shooter, to be sure. Buddy Heald is a great shooter, like probably one of the top 10 shooters in the league. He's a really good shooter. Now, that's kind of all he does at a good level. Um, I'm not sure I'd have Buddy Heald in the top 80. Um, probably not. Probably not, actually. Um, when this came up last offseason about whether the Hawks should be interested in training for Buddy Heald, I was kind of adamantly against it just because I think Buddy Heald is on a negative value contract. And that tells you all you think about what I think about Buddy Heald. Not that he's not valuable at all. It's just that he's making a lot of money, which is a, that's, that's not a factor in this, in this discussion. But that, that, that sort of does tell you that I think he's kind of just a middling guy. He's a good shooter, good, off, good offensive player. He's a very bad defender. He can't pass, uh, all that stuff. At any rate... One of the crazier things about this entire thing is that this is a panel exercise. It's not one person's ranking. So that means if it's a panel and this is an average, that means people had to be higher than this on Buddy Heald to get them to get into that level. And I was not alone. This is something that was making the rounds people that I, I think are smart on Twitter. Um, no one could figure out this ranking. It's not just me. So maybe it's just a weird outlier and somebody had him like at 30. I don't really know what happened there with ESPN, but Buddy Heald's 51. All that said... I will stop now, but the notion that he is ahead of Capella and Collins is completely ridiculous on every level. And also, Bogdanovich is better than Buddy Heald. Like, I, I think not even close. Um, it may, I mean, it's, it's closer than Capella and Collins, I guess, but I think Bogdanovich is the better player, like, full stop, and he's 13 spots behind Heald. So, at any rate, kind of weird. I think the Hawks, I think the Hawks guys, both Capella and Collins, are a little bit too low. Not crazy, but uh, too low. And lastly, Trey Young is 17 for ESPN. Last year, he was 29. So a solid jump. That's a pretty reasonable ranking for me. As I said before, I think 17 for Trey Young is fine. 
It doesn't bother me much. I probably have him like 15 myself, something like that. Uh, could be higher by the end, by the end of the season. Had a great had a great postseason. He's a great player. Uh, I don't have any. I don't have a huge amount of interest in arguing the top 20 and the order and a lot of these things. I think the uh, there's a lot of ink spilled for no reason on this stuff. But there is one that I am uh, I'm baffled by, and it's Bradley Beal. So I, I talked about Beal a second ago on the, on SI's list, and I won't do it again now. But he's actually 11th for ESPN, and that's one where I don't really understand it more than anything else. I know he's been in trade rumors and all that stuff. It's been talked about a lot, but I don't really understand that one at all. Uh, it does harken back, as Zach Hood always points out on this podcast, other people have as well, that less than a year ago, Trey Young was number 16 on a top 25 list of players under 25. And now he's 17th by the same outlet in the entire league. Obviously, the, the, the under 25 list is, the, is, a, is now a legendary folly from ESPN. And to his credit, Kevin Pelton pointed that out in the ESPN NBA ranking, kind of po- poked fun at ESPN about that ranking. Um, but still, uh, Trey in the top 20, totally fine. Number 17 overall. Uh, I think Hawks fans have to hope he'll be in the top 10, top 12, something like that by next season if you're uh, still breaking out and all that stuff. But I think for now, that's totally fine ranking. And we'll leave it there. So, Again, one list had six guys on the Hawks in the top 100. The other list had five guys in the top 100. I think the Hawks have seven legitimate candidates for the top 100. And as these lists actually lay out, they have they have four guys who are definitively top 60 players, in my opinion. Bogey's outside that on this list. I think he's about a top 60 player for me. So four of the top 60. And then Hunter is capable of playing at that level, as we've seen. Sort of a hot and cold thing there with his health. And you have a couple guys below that with Herter and Gallinari that are probably more like top 100-ish players. But that tells you the depth the Hawks have. And you throw in guys like Reddish and Okongwu and DeLon Wright and Lou Williams and you know just the depth piece they have all over the roster. So good situation coming up for the Hawks. And uh, I can't promise it'll just be the end of top 100 talk because if something crazy happens with CBS or something like that, I might have to interject. But for now, I will cover my bases and give you all that little segment of top 100 talk and we'll leave it there for now. Okay, that will do it on today's podcast. I will have something up on the feed Monday evening into Tuesday, talking about media media day stuff. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at BT Roland if you want some live tweeting action from media day, as well as following the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. Again, we encourage you to make Locked on Hawks your first listen of the day. It's a basically a daily podcast during the week. Four or five times a week, you will, we will have a podcast about the Hawks, whether it's post-game and all that fun stuff. But please subscribe. Make it your first listen of the day. And uh, tell your friends as well. We really appreciate all of the support. Leave five-star feedback. Subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, <laughs> all that fun stuff. And we'll see you next time.